Uh, our Old Testament reading and our New Testament reading this week um, have been reversed, and that's intentional um, because the sermon is going to be based this week on the Old Testament text. So their first reading will come from the New Testament. And uh, it's taken from the translation. It's the New King James Version. But it, it's very familiar no matter what translation, I think, uh, it comes from. It's from the Gospel of John, the third chapter, beginning with the 11th verse. And I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. And our Old Testament reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah in the 55th chapter, beginning with verse 10 and continuing through verse 13. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as there it is written, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word that be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. As I was this past week reviewing the texts that are suggested for today's date in the Revised Common Lectionary, I came to this reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, in addition to not having preached a sermon primarily based on an Old Testament text in quite a while now, I was also struck by this particular passage's imagery. So I decided it would be a, an appropriate week to dig into the Hebrew scriptures again and see what sort of message they might have for us in our current circumstances. Now, I don't know exactly what it is, and, and it may very well be that it's just a lot of things that have all been converging, coinciding. But recently, I found myself uh, a bit more reflective than I can remember being, at least any time, in the recent past. Perhaps there are times 
in your life too, when events take place that trigger such a response, or perhaps it's just a season of the Spirit, or maybe it's some of both. Whatever the cause, I've been thinking about past and present in my life, and this passage from so long ago continues to speak to me, and I pray that it might also speak to one or two of you as well. A number of rather small events have taken place recently, and as a result, I have been struck again this week by my need for gratitude. As this morning's text begins with a reminder of who it is that causes the snow to fall in winter and the rain in summer, we've had a couple of rains over the past few days, and they've been most welcome. Some of us have had more rain than others, but all of us have had some rain, and for that, we are grateful. They have been most welcome for it's been, well, several days or a few weeks of virtually no precipitation at all down here. Now the grass has been revitalized, and it's begun to, to grow. In fact, you can sit and you can watch it grow now. So I have to get back in the routine of mowing the lawn once again, which I had gotten out of for the past couple of weeks. And honestly, I didn't mind too much. But I should be thankful that this same rain that causes me more work in the yard has been a tremendous benefit to the plants and the crops and those who depend on them. And that's, well, that's pretty much all of us. This is the same kind of sentiment, I think, that we see a glimpse of here in Isaiah this morning. Who doesn't bemoan the extra work the Lord sends when he waters the earth, but instead he urges the people to be thankful that he has provided. He has provided the irrigation needed for growing the food necessary for feeding his people. And not only has God provided for his people by sending them what they need to sustain their bodies, but he has also seen to it to provide for the nourishment of the people's souls through the sending of his holy word. As it comes forth here from the mouth of the prophet Isaiah, one who is confident in the promises of God, the labor of this servant of the Lord shall not be in vain. The proclamation that he has been charged with making, the witness that he's been called to live, they are for the furtherance of the kingdom. Now, in truth, it may be hard to see that at times. The results of such work are not necessarily seen immediately or nearly so. So it can be at times a bit discouraging. But this is a message of hope and a reminder of God's continuing provision. He is the one who can and who does make all things work together for good, though oftentimes not according to our schedules. Just as the people of God were impatient with him and with his servant Moses in the wilderness, so too the people of God in our own day easily become impatient, waiting and watching for God to act. And then there are those times 
when the way in which God chooses to provide for his people doesn't exactly look the way the people were hoping for or expecting. In fact, I'd wager that more often than not, this is precisely the case. The admonition of be careful what you pray for was born out of human experience. And I assure you that it is as true today as it has ever been. But we are reminded here and over and over again throughout Scripture, we are to fear not, for God is going to act. In fact, the prophet lays out for us what it's going to look like when God finally acts decisively on behalf of his people. Not only will they in that day be joyful recipients of peace, but indeed the whole of creation will have cause for celebration as it too is being redeemed from all that which has corrupted it since the invasion of sin into what God had made and declared to be good. There's a recently released song by Cochran and Company, I've heard it on the radio, which speaks to the coming of this age of God's provision. And interestingly, it was released last September. But in this, the year of a global health, an economic and social crisis, all rolled into one, it speaks more powerfully still to the hope we have on the other side, on the other side of all this junk that we see before us in the moment. It's a simple song. It's titled, One Day. Maybe we'll do it here as an anthem one Sunday. Uh, it's simple melody on the piano. It's a simple tune for a small group to sing. It starts off with, one day, there'll be no more waiting left for our soul. One day, there'll be no more children longing for home. But this morning's Old Testament reading is not simply about the by and by. There are, I think, words in this passage and in the song for the here and the now. It can be a bit difficult for us to discern this when we are neck deep in such a time as this, when so many things seem off this morning. In fact, as we were standing outside in our socially distanced positions in the, the fresh air and the sunlight, which we're told is the greatest place we can be, I, I still could not help feeling the change. And I said as much. I, things are different. Things are not the way they were. And I was reminded that we should embrace change. Agreed, we should embrace change, for that is inevitable in the world. And yet, there are some things that are worth remembering. There are some things that are difficult to let go of. Even though we must, we must adapt, we must go on, we must continue to live. It's not easy, but God will provide. God has this habit of doing it. 
No matter how far things seem off, no matter how different we feel things are, this is the good news of God's covenant relationship with his people, that it remains in force even as so many other temporary human structures and relationships that we see around us are coming apart at the seams. God's word is still in force. And in this Isaiah passage, we are reminded yet again of the awesome and unrivaled power of that word and that word alone. The promises contained in God's word shall not return to him empty. It will be accomplished. It will succeed. In other words, it will be fulfilled. Mind you, not because we are faithful and obedient covenant partners, but because God is. Just as the trees and the crops and the animals receive what they need, so too do we. The mundane and the necessary, yes, but also the extraordinary and the extravagant. When we even just begin to take stock of what has been encompassed in our past, and what it encompasses in our present, all these good gifts that have come from God, how, how can we fail to be grateful for all that provision? Even as Isaiah's words were being spoken, the people of God found themselves living in their own uncertain times in different ways, yes, but just as uncertain to them as the times in which we live in today. I happen to see an advertising campaign for the first time this week from an outfit that I had never heard of before. It's a financial services company called Thrivent. After seeing a spot for them, I was interested enough to find out who they were and what they were about. It was kind of an interesting ad. It was kind of an interesting name. It turns out uh, they are the Lutheran Church's rough equivalent uh, to the Presbyterian Foundation. But a few years back, they broadened their services and their offerings to non-Lutherans. Fascinating, right? Well, maybe not. But what is quite fascinating is the tagline in their advertising, which involved this. They said, if you're looking for, if you want to achieve a life rich in meaning and gratitude, now, a life rich in meaning and gratitude, who wouldn't want that? But did you know that you can get this now from a Christian-based insurance and annuity sales outfit? Well, honestly, neither did I. Silly me. I thought all this time it came from being a child of the covenant. And it does. That's what these words from Isaiah speak to me. It's the word of God, and it is the good news of God's provision. Just as, in the old, just as in the New Testament text that we heard read again this morning, we are reminded anew of God's provision, how the word of God came to us incarnate, the good news in the flesh. So if we're thankful for getting a bit of rain, 
to green up our lawns, to revitalize our corn and our beans, how much more grateful ought we be for God's provision that has gifted us new, abundant, and eternal life? I don't know, but those are the sorts of things I've been reflecting on recently. And this passage from Isaiah has helped me as I consider my own faithful response. Perhaps it might be for some of you as well. And if it is, well, for that, we may certainly say, thanks be to God.